Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, episode 18. My name is Nature Come the Third. This is short story bingo. And uh, yeah, if this is your first time, welcome. If this is your second time, the retention program is working. What I do on this podcast is read a short story or sometimes like last week, a uh, bit out of like a encyclopedia or a dictionary or something um, and read it with my, by myself or with a friend slash guest and we um, talk about it. Uh, so yeah, that's about it. Anyway, short story bingo, episode 18. Thank you guys so much for listening. Again, Nate come the third. Uh, last week uh, was about Scarface Al and got a pretty good amount of hits on uh, Monday this past week. Or was it a couple days ago? Anyway, point is, is that um, it garnered a lot of attention. So I was a little weary about doing a heavy hitter, but uh, my wife, who happens to be on the episode today, Mandy Chacon, introduced yourself. Oh, it's got to be better than that. Oh, all right. Um, my name is Mandy. Can I sing too? Yeah. Mandy Chacon. Oh, oh, oh. That's it. All right. I wanted to sing. Thank you. Uh, she suggested that we do a, uh, that I do a heavy hitter. And uh, you guys all appreciate it. So, um, yeah, look for those in the future. Uh, With that being said, I wanted to go over... Oh, wait. Before I do this, of course, this week, our random Twitter follower shout-out goes to Jeremy Hardcastle. You can find him on Twitter at IamHardcastle. And that's just literally Hardcastle. H-A-R-D-C-A-S-T-L-E. What's up, bro? That's not super random, but anyhow, I wanted to go over the uh, stats for the uh, top countries that are still downloading, and then also we're going to start talking about the states, the top states that are downloading to give them a shout out too, but this week, the top three countries, uh, it's a three-way tie between India, the United Kingdom, shout out to the UK, and the Russian Federation, that's what Podbean lists them as. Not sure if they got the memo that the USSR fucking fell in fuck like, 1988 or whatever the fuck. But the Russian Federation is where that's at. So those three countries, uh, big shout out. Thank you for listening. Uh, and then, like I said, the top, at least the top three states uh, that have been listening, of course, uh, Utah is number one, Wyoming number two, California is coming in at number three. Uh, hey, 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 where is my Texas in there? Texas is nowhere to be found. I, well, Texas is all the way at number 10, and New Mexico is nowhere to be found. So. Oh, you guys are in trouble. Yeah, so there's that. So shout out uh, to all those uh, <laughs> countries and states or whatever the fuck. But uh, this week, uh, we're going to go back to uh, the Great Horror Stories book I have, literally called Great Horror Stories. It has 101 um, chilling tales, as it were. Um, It's called A Psychological Experiment by Richard Marsh. Don't know too much about Richard Marsh. I should have did a little research on that. That's a a known folly that I'll I'll admit. But um, I did read the first paragraph, and I am pretty excited about uh, this story here. I know that it's December, but we're going to keep it scary. You asked for a scary story, didn't you? I did. I needed a scary story. I, I uh, It keeps my attention, and I'm a little murderino. I follow my favorite murderer and podcast on the left, so I like it extra creepy. 
All right, well, we're gonna keep it extra creepy. But before we do that, of course, we need the intro song, episode 18, Short Story Bingo. Again, welcome. My name is Nate Chacon the Third, and it's about to start now. Short story bingo. Short story bingo. Short story bingo. Short story bingo. Sometimes they're funny and sometimes they're sad. Most of the time they're funny because I hate to be sad. Short story bingo. Short story bingo. Short story bingo. Short story bingo. But don't take my word for it. Spare fingers. Yes. The conversation had been of murders and of suicides. Yes. It had almost seemed as if each speaker had felt constrained to cap the preceding speaker's tale of horror. As the talk went on, Mr. Howitt had drawn farther and farther into a corner of the room, as if the subject were little to his liking, or because he's a fucking creep and goes to the corner of the room. Maybe he was gassy. He's just shit. He's, just, <laughs> he's farting in the room. Like, I'm gonna pop back, over back here. I'm gonna back up. <laughs> oh no, no, I'm good. No, yeah, no. Crazy story. Crazy story. Margaret, I told you I liked that story outside when we were having a cigarette. It's just that you know I got a little, little gas. <laughs> now that all the speakers but one had quitted the smoking room, he came forward from his corner, in the hope possibly. That with this last remaining individual, who, like himself, had been a silent listener, he might find himself in more congenial society. Dreadful stuff those fellows have been talking. I don't know why I gave him that. I, I'm... It, it, it works for him. All it right. works. It works. Okay. I'll keep that one. Excuse me. Dreadful stuff those fellows have been talking. Mr. Howlett was thin. And he was tall. He seemed shorter than he really was. What? Owing to what might be described as a persistent cringe rather than a stoop. So, like, kind of just, like, tall, but, like, never put his shoulders back. He has some, he needs, like, a little posture. Yeah. One of those, isn't, aren't those, like, on a, a, a made-for-TV an or something? Yeah. Or, yeah. Yeah. I think I've seen those. <laughs> I'm, I'm, actually, I don't think. I know I've actually, fucking seen them. Actually, I saw one that you put on your spine. What? I saw one you put on your spine. It vibrates when you slouch. That's messed Are up. you fucking shitting me? It's like that, a barking collar? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what this guy needs. <laughs> it's like a barking collar. <laughs> I got a He had a... Okay, a little, little, little. He seemed shorter than he really was, owing to what might be described as a persistent cringe rather than a stoop. He had a differential, almost frightened air. His pallid face was lighted by a smile which one felt might, in a moment, change into a stare of terror. He rubbed his hands together softly. <laughs> These guys Mr. Burns for fucking yeah, sure. He He's got Excellent. the same back hump. Yeah. And also that, like, the deferential, almost frightened air that they just described. Like, you're like, are you fucking creepy or are you creepy? He's creepy. Yeah. He rubbed his hands together softly. As if suffering from a chronic attack of nerves, 
He kept giving uh, furtive glances around the room. In reply to Mr. Howitt's observation, the stranger nodded his head. There was something in the gesture, and indeed in the man's whole appearance, which caused Mr. Howitt to regard him more attentively. The stranger's size was monstrous. By him on the table was a curious-looking box, about 18 inches square, painted in hideously alternating stripes of blue and green and yellow. And although it was spring and the smoking room was warm, he wore his overcoat and a soft felt hat. That coat's fucked because you're in a smoking room and that hat is for sure fucked. What's in the box? What's in, what's in the box? <laughs> what's in the... What's in the box? <laughs> Tell me what's in the box! So far, as one could judge from his appearance, seated, he was at least six feet in height. It's kind of, I mean, as to girth, ooh, <laughs> girth is always, I mean, you gotta have girth. It's important. It's, imp- it's pretty important to have good girth. As to girth, his dimensions were bewildering. He's got good girth. He's bewildering, he even. He's bewildered. I wonder if he kept rubbing his hands on it. My girth is bewildering. <laughs> One could only guess wildly at his height. At his weight, excuse me. One could only guess wildly at his weight. Why? If I mean... Oh, maybe because of the coat. To add to the peculiarity of his appearance, he wore a huge black beard, which not only hung over his chest, but grew so high up his cheeks as almost to conceal his eyes. That's fucking a high beard. <laughs> he needs to trim that beard. Yo, take care of the beard, B. Like, <laughs> for sure. There's those beard fucking yeah. shaper. I got a beard shaper. Yeah, yeah, like. yeah, yeah. Mr. Howitt took the chair which was in front of the stranger. His eyes were... I'm P.S. I'm thinking about this right now. Mr. Howitt is a stark... Uh, he's definitely different from this guy. Like, Mr. Howitt is like Mr. Burns, and this dude's a monster. So it's like the stark difference of both sides. Mr. Howard took the chair, which was in front of the stranger. His eyes were never moment for was his eyes were never for a moment still, resting as they passed upon the bearded giant in front of him, then flashing quickly hither and thither around, about the room. So he's got ADD or something. I was going to so say that, like, too. He, just like, he forgot to take his meds for first, sure. Yeah, he's just like... <laughs> <laughs> Do you stay in Jersey long? Jersey? No. The reply was monosyllabic, but though it was heard so briefly, at the sound of the stranger's voice, Mr. Howitt half rose, grasped the arm of his chair, and gasped. The stranger seemed surprised. What's the matter? Mr. Howitt dropped back onto his seat. He took out his handkerchief to wipe his forehead, which had to have just snot on it. Like, just like. There's a booger on his forehead. Just gossipy. His smile, which had changed into a stare of terror on its reappearance, assumed a sickly hue. So he sat back down and he's like, 
Like, I, I, I'm, I'm making all these faces. You guys can't even fucking know. <laughs> but like, Wiping his forehead. Yeah, but like, it, but his smile, which has changed into a state of terror on its reappear, uh, uh, on its reappearance, assumed a sickly hue, but, but just like, like that creepy look that you get, like you're like, hmm. I got something. Oh. Oh. Nothing. Only a curious similarity. Similarity? What do you mean? Whatever Mr. Howitt might mean, every time the stranger opened his mouth, it seemed to give him another shock. It was a moment or two before he regained sufficient control over himself to enable him to answer. Your voice reminds me of one which I used to hear. It's a mere fugitive resemblance. I thought he was worried about his breath. Right, yeah, he's just, <laughs> and that beard, whatever's coming out of that beard. What's in the beard? <laughs> and the box, what's in the box? <laughs> Whose voice does mine remind you of? A friend's. What was his name? His name was uh, Cookson. Oh. Mr. Howard spoke. <laughs> Cookson's. <laughs> he cooked his son. Oh, jeez. <laughs> his name was... Uh, Cookson, Mr. Howitt spoke with a perceptible stammer. Cookson, I see. There was silence. For some cause, Mr. Howitt seemed on a sudden to have gone all limp. He sat in sort of a heap on his chair. He smoothed his hands together as if with unconscious volition. His sickly smile had degenerated into a fatuous grin. His shifty eyes kept recurring to the stranger's face in front of him. It was the stranger who was the next to speak. Did you hear what those men were talking about? Yes. They were talking of murders. Yes. I heard rather a curious story of a murder as I came down to Weymouth in the train. It's the sort of talk I don't care for. No, perhaps not. But this was rather a singular tale. It was about a murder which took place the other day at Exeter. Mr. Howard started. At Exeter? Yeah, at Exeter. The stranger stood up. As he did so, one realized how grotesquely unwildly was his bulk. Jeez. Yeah, so somebody was, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Grotesque. <laughs> yeah, just like, oh. <laughs> Excuse me, sir. Uh, I, if I said grotesquely, that's my. Grotesquely. Oh, how <laughs> Grotesquely. No, how grotesquely. Jesus. Unwieldy was his bulk. It seemed to be as much as he could do to move. The three pockets in the front of his overcoat were protected by button flaps. He undid the buttons. Sir, keep your buttons buttoned, please. Please, I don't want to know what's please, in the Please, God, buttons. I want to know what's in the box, not what's behind the buttons. <laughs> he undid the buttons. As he did so, the flaps began to move. Huh? Something peeped out. Is he a wizard? Then hideous things began to creep from his pockets. F's, newts, lizards, various crawling creatures. Mr. Howitt's eyes ceased to stray. 
They were fastened on the crawling creatures. The hideous things wriggled and ripped in all directions over the stranger. Nice. Just going, but like, just like. <laughs> now that's extra creepy. That's extra creepy, but he's got a handle on them. <laughs> he's like, but they're fine. I mean, they're the homies, so. Like. <laughs> right. The huge man gave himself a shake. They all fell from him to the floor. Ooh. Now that's creepy. No, leave them on you. <laughs> I don't want them. He's like, they're all just going around him. He's like, shake. And they just all fall. Chunks of meat. Just, oh, just like. <laughs> that's for sure an iguana. Like, that's not even a lizard. That's. That's the full size. That's, That's an adult. a Komodo dragon. Like, <laughs> <laughs> they all fell from him to the floor. They lay for a second as if stupefied by the fall. Yeah, because this guy is fucking costume. He's huge. Yeah, so they're just like, <laughs> <laughs> Then they began to move to all four quarters of the room. Thanks. Mr. Howitt drew his legs under his chair. Yeah. Pretty creatures, aren't they? Said the stranger. Fucking no, man, they're not. They stink. That's not what he said, but I want him to say that. <laughs> I like to carry them about with me wherever I go. Don't let them touch you. Some of them are nasty if they bite. Fucking put them away, man. Well, then why do you have them in public? Right. Everyone's here talking about suicides and murders. This is actually an intervention for a lot of us. <laughs> Mr. Howitt tucked his long legs still further under his chair. He regarded the creatures which were wriggling on the floor with a degree of aversion which was painful to witness. Take the floor with lava. Oh, God. Don't touch the floor. Don't touch the floor. Don't touch the floor. Don't touch the floor. The stranger went on about this murder at Exeter, which I was speaking of. It was a case of two solicitors who, cop who occupied offices together on Fort Street Hill. Mr. Howitt looked up, glanced up at the stranger, then back again at the withering newts. He rather scat gasped than spoke. Four Street Hill? Yes. Uh, they were partners. The name of one of them was Rolt. Andrew Rolt. By the way, I'd like to know with whom I am talking. May I inquire what your name is? This time, Mr. Howitt was staring at the stranger with wide-open eyes, momentarily forgetful even of the creatures which were actually crawling beneath his chair. <laughs> he stammered and he stuttered. My, uh, my name's, uh, Howitt. You'll see it in the hotel register. Howitt? I see. I'm glad I've met you, Mr. Howitt. It seems that this man, Andrew Rolt, murdered his partner, a man named Douglas Colston. Mr. Howitt, Mr. Howitt was altogether oblivious of the things upon the floor. He clutched at the arms of his chair. His voice was shrill. Murdered? How did you know they murdered him? It seems they have some shrewd ideas upon the point from this. The stranger took from an inner pocket of his overcoat what proved... Just take, stop taking shit out of your coat. I don't want to know what's in your pocket. I'm done. Uh, this stranger took from a from an inner pocket of his overcoat what proved, when he had unfolded it, to be a double crown poster. He held it up in front of Mr. Howitt. It was headed in large letters. 
murder. <laughs> 100 euros reward. Oh, so you had the accent right. <laughs> <laughs> you see... You see, they're offering a hundred euro reward for the apprehension of this man, Andrew Roll. That looks as if someone had suspicions. Here is his description. Tall, thin, stoops, has, I mean, is he? Is, is it him? <laughs> Hold on. I think we might know the killer already. Here is no, his description. No. Tall, Thin, stoops, has sandy hair, thin on top, parted in the middle, restless gray eyes, wide mouth, bad teeth, thin lips, white face, speaks in a low, soft voice. But does he say big ass beard? But yeah, has a nervous trick of rubbing his hands together. Oh! The stranger ceased reading from the placard to look at Mr. Howitt. Are you aware, sir, that this description is very much like you? <laughs> Mr. Howitt's eyes were riveted on the placard. They had followed the stranger as he read. As he, he they followed as he read it. He's like, tall, thin. He's just looking at it. Stoops, has sandy hair. He's holding on to his <laughs> yeah, hair. Right. Thin on top, parted in the middle. Mine's on the side a little bit. He but... stops rubbing his hands. Oh, <laughs> His manner was feverishly strained. It's not. Nothing of the sort. It's your imagination. It's not in the least like me. Pardon me, but the more I look at you, the more clearly I perceive how strong is the resemblance. It is you to the life. As a detective, he paused. Mr. Howitt held his breath. I mean, supposing I were a detective, which I am not, he paused again. Mr. Howard gave a gasp of relief. I should feel almost justified in arresting you and claiming the reward. You are so made in the likeness of Andrew Rolt. I'm not. I deny it. It's a lie. I did not. I did not. <laughs> I deny it. Mr. Howard stood up. Standing on what though? Are you standing on the chair? Because if you're yeah, fucking still some newts, newts are fucking for he just, sure. He squished one for sure. <laughs> His voice rose to a shriek. Shriek. A fit of trembling came over him. It constrained him to sit down again. The stranger seemed amused, cause he knew he knows he got him. He's like fucking. I'm getting the hundred dollars in euros, which is. I don't know when this... It doesn't say the time that, frame. Yeah. But it's got to be like... That's got to be a good amount of money. It's got to be because it's not worth the effort with the... But also... Letting all your friends... Your friend Newt friends go. What the fuck is going on? The stranger seemed amused. My dear sir... I entreat you to be calm. I was not... Oh, wait, wait. Sorry. This is the stranger talking. My dear sir, I entreat you to be calm. I was not suggesting for one moment that you had an, any actual connection with the miscreant Rolt. The resemblance must be accidental. Did you not tell me your name was Howitt? Wait a second. You were suggesting the whole moment that he, just, he literally said right before... 
that part of me, but the more I look at you, the more clearly I perceive how strong the resemblance is. He knew what he was doing. Yeah. The resemblance must be accidental. Did you not tell me your name was Howitt? Yes, that's my name. Howitt. William Howitt. Any relation to the poet? Poet? Mr. Howitt seemed mystified. Then, to make a dash at it, yes, uh, uh, my great uncle. I congratulate you, Mr. Howitt, on your relationship. I've always been a great admirer of your great uncle's works. Perhaps I had better put this poster away. It may be useful for future reference. The stranger, folding up the placard, replaced it in his pocket. With a quick movement of his fingers, he did something which detached what had seemed to be the inner lining of his overcoat from the coat itself, splitting the garment, as it were, and make it into two. I told you he was a wizard. Yeah. As he did so, there fell from all sides of him another horde of crawling creatures. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. They <laughs> dropped like lumps of jelly onto the floor. Oh. Oh. <laughs> lumps of jelly onto the floor <laughs> and remained for some seconds a wriggling mass then like their forerunners they began to make incursions towards all points of the compass Mr. Howitt already in a condition of considerable agitation stared at these ungainly forms in a state of mind which seemed to approach the stupefaction stupefy Stupefaction. Stupefaction. Stupef stupefaction. I was just thinking of... Stupefaction? I was I was thinking of Harry Potter. I mean, it sounds like something out of Harry Potter. I'm telling you he's a wizard. This, this is called a psychological this... experiment, so I have an uh, idea that he might be... Like, he might be Harry Potter. I, no, he oh. might be this... this <laughs> he might be this Rolt guy, and somebody, like, at the end... I haven't read the end of this, but I'm just guessing. I'm guessing right now. Make your guesses, too. But I'm guessing right now that at the end of this, he wakes up and he was tricked into, like, telling what's been going on in his head. Oh, like he was hypnotizing Yeah, himself. yeah. All right, let's continue. Oh, okay. This is The Stranger. Mr. Oh, wait. Well, let me get into the stranger part. Mr. Howitt, already in, in, in a condition of considerable agitation, stared at these ungainly forms in a state of mind which seemed to approach the stupefaction. More of my pretty things, you perceive. I'm very fond of reptiles. I always have been. Don't allow any of them to touch you. Yeah, you mentioned that. <laughs> they might do you an injury. Reptiles sometimes do. He turned a little away from Mr. Howitt. I heard some particulars of this affair of of this affair at Exeter. It seems that these two men, Rolt and uh, Colston, were not only partners in the profession of the law, but they were also partners in the profession of swindling. Thorough pace rogues, both of them. Unfortunately, there is not a doubt of. Uh, unfortunately, there is not a doubt of it. But it appears that the man Rolt was not only false to the world at large, he was false even to his partner. Don't you think, um, Mr. Howard, that it is odd that a man should be false to his own partner? The inquiry was unheeded. 
Mr. Howe was gazing at the crawling creatures which seemed to be clustering about his chair. Like, just like, I don't fucking... I don't want to answer any of your questions. I don't want to answer any of your questions. (laughs) Ring the bell, he gasped. Ring the bell. Have them taken away. (laughs) Have what taken away? Uh, uh, My pretty playthings? My dear sir, to touch them would be dangerous. If you are very careful not to move from your seat, I think I may be. I get. Uh, I think I may guarantee that you will be safe. But you did not notice my question. I asked, "Don't you think it odd that a man should be false to his partner?" Uh, oh, yes, very. The stranger eyed the other intently. There was something in Mister Howlett's demeanor which, to say the least of it, was singular. I thought you would think it was odd. It appears that one night the two men agreed that they would divide spoils. They proceeded to do so then and there. Colston, wholly unsuspicious of evil, was seated at a table, making up a partnership account. Rolt, stealing up behind him, stupefied him with chloroform. <laughs> it wasn't chloroform. <laughs> what? Not chloroform. May I ask how you know? I, uh, I guessed it. <laughs> For a stranger, rather curious subject on which to hazard a guess. <laughs> Don't you think so? Uh, however, allowing your guess, we will say it was not chloroform. Whatever it was, it stupefied Colston. Rolt, when he per- per- uh, perceived Colston was senseless, produced a knife. Like this. The stranger flourished in the air a big steel blade. Shh. Shh. <laughs> it's just long. <laughs> I don't think it's I don't think it's that long. <laughs> it's it's tiny. <laughs> From a sheath. <laughs> that he made. The the stranger flourished in the air A big steel blade Which was shaped like a hunting knife As he did so Throwing his overcoat from him Onto the floor He turned right towards Mr. Howitt Did he say That ain't a knife This is a knife I hope so. <laughs> Fucking, that sounds like a scene out of Die Hard or some shit. Crocodile Dundee. Is that our Crocodile Dundee? Yeah. Okay, I missed that fucking reference. Go me. <laughs> Mr. Howitt stared at him, voiceless. It was not so much at the sufficient ugly weapon he was holding in his hand at which he stared as at the man himself. The stranger, indeed presented an extraordinary spectacle. The upper portion of his body was enveloped in some sort of oil skin, such as sailors wear in dirty weather. The oil skin was inflated to such an extent that the upper half of him resembled nothing so much as a huge ill-shaped bladder. What? So, like, on the top, like, like almost, uh, like, like a... Just how it was described, like a bladder almost, like it's a, like a, a, a life vest kind of thing. Oh, uh, all right, yeah, all right, all right, ish. All right. Okay. Yeah. 
That it, uh, that it was inflated was evident. With something, too, was conspicuously alive. <laughs> the oil skin writhed and twisted, wreathed and twisted, surged and heaved in a fashion that was anything but pleasant to behold. Okay, look. He's obviously got a snake around him. Yeah, something is going on. Also, being in this situation, I know that like I'm laughing a ton in this, but just let's summarize where we're at at this point. This dude meets this guy at a fucking, uh, uh, essentially an AA meeting for people that are trying to get for over. Murderinos. Yeah, yeah, murder. Yeah, and <laughs> um, he he feels too. Uh, uh, Mr. Howitt feels too. Um, scared to talk about his own story. There's a guy that's left behind. He ends up talking with this guy. This guy opens up. He's a big guy compared to himself. He opens up one pocket out of his uh, out of his jacket. A ton of uh, reptiles come out of it, fall to the ground. He's perched up on his chair as these reptiles are just scattering across the floor. He presents the dude with a poster and gives details that resemble very closely to Mr. Howitt. And Mr. Howitt then is like, that's not me. Releases more reptiles to the floor. Asks Mr. Howitt, the stranger asks Mr. Howitt why he's so nervous. Starts to describe what the situation was between these two men that had made this killing out at uh, Exeter. Mr. Howitt finishes a sentence of the strangers by saying that it wasn't in fact chloroform. He already is onto him. He's like, okay. And now, wields a blade out, has something inside of like a, like a, like a, what you would maybe like hold a baby in uh, around him, and it's withering like there's a big snake inside of it. That's where we're at at this point. It's a big snake. <laughs> it's gotta be. He, he loves them reptiles. The oil skin ripped and twisted, surged and heaved in a fashion that was anything but pleasant to behold. You look at me. See here. The stranger dashed the knife he held into his own breast, or he seemed to. He cut the oilskin from top to bottom. And there gushed forth, not his heart's blood, but an amazing mass of hissing, struggling, twisting serpents. No. They fell, all sorts and sizes, in a confused, furious, frenzied heap upon the floor. In a moment, the room seemed to be alive with snakes. They dashed hither and thither, in and out, round and round, in search either of refuge or revenge. And as the snakes came on, the Fs, the newts, the lizards, and the other creeping things in their, in their desire to escape them crawled up the curtains and the doors and the walls. Uh. Mr. Howitt gave utterance to a sort of strangled exclamation. He retained sufficient presence of mind to spring upon the seat of his chair and to sit upon the back and sit upon the back of it. The stranger remained standing, apparently wholly unmoved in the midst of the seeming pandemonium of creepy things. Do you not like snakes, Mr. Howitt? <laughs> I do. Who the hell likes that many snakes? Get out of here. They appeal to me strongly. This is part of my collection. I rather pride my part of your collection. How much? Yeah. I rather pride myself on the ingenuity of the contrivance which 
enables me to carry my pets about with me wherever I may go. At the same time, you are wise in removing your feet from the floor. Not all of them are poisonous. Possibly the more poisonous ones may not be able to reach you where you are. You see this knife? The stranger extended it towards Mr. Howitt. This is the knife with which, when he had stupefied him, Andrew Rolt slashed Douglas Colston above the head and face and throat like this. The removal of his overcoat and still more, the vomiting forth of the nest of serpents had decreased the stranger's bulk by more than one half. <laughs> How big is this chair, by the way, that this guy's standing on? It has to be the hugest chair. <laughs> That they're just not, like, coming up it, like... <laughs> they just talk about how big this guy was. No, it was all snakes. Right. <laughs> Disembarrassing himself of the remnants of his oil skins, he removed his soft felt hat, and tearing off his huge black beard, stood revealed as a, as a tall, upstanding, muscularly built man whose head and face and neck were almost entirely conceal concealed by strips of plaster, which crossed and recross each other in all possible and impossible directions. There was silence. The two men stared at each other. With a gasp, Mr. Howitt found his voice. Douglas! Andrew! I thought you were dead. I am risen from the grave. I am glad you're not dead. Why? Mr. Howitt paused as if to moisten his parched lips. Uh, I, I never meant to kill you. Bye. In that case, Andrew, your meaning was unfortunate. I do mean to kill you now. Don't kill me, Douglas. A reason, Andrew? If you knew what I have suffered since I thought I had killed you, you would not wish to take upon yourself the burden which I have had to fear. Had to bear, excuse me. My nerves, Andrew, are stronger than yours. What would crush you to the ground would not weigh on me at all. Surely you knew that before. Mr. Howitt fidgeted on the back of his chair with a fidget spinner. <laughs> <laughs> it was not that you meant, it was not that, uh, it was not that you did not mean to kill me. You lacked the courage. You gashed me like some frenzied, frenzied cur. Then, afraid of your own handiwork, you ran to save your skin. You dared not wait to see if what you had meant to do was done. Yeah, make sure they're dead. Yeah. I mean... <laughs> if you're going to go for it, go all in. For sure finish it out. <laughs> You dare not what you dare not wait to see if what you had meant to do was done. Why, Andrew? As soon as the effects of your drug had gone, I sat up. I heard you running down the stairs. I saw your knife lying at my side. Why did you leave the knife? <laughs> All stained with my own blood. See, Andrew, the stains are on it still. I even picked up this scrap of paper which had fallen from your pocket. Onto the floor. He held out a piece of paper towards Mr. Howitt. It is the ad advertisement of an hotel. Hotel de la Corinne. I said to myself, I wonder if that is where Andrew's gone. 
I will go and see, and if I find him, I will kill him. I found you, and behold, your heart has so melted within you that already you feel like something of the pangs of death, don't you? Mr. Howitt did seem to be more dead than alive. His face was bloodless. He was shivering as if with cold. These melodramatic and indeed slightly absurd details. The stranger waved his hands toward the F's and newts, snakes, and lizards were planned for your special benefit. I was aware what a horror you had of creepier things. I take it, I take it as constitutional. I knew ha- I, I knew I had but to spring on you half a bushel or so of reptiles, and all the little courage you ever had would vanish as it is done. The stranger stopped. He looked with evident enjoyment of his mister- of his misery at the miserable creature squatted on the back of the chair in front of him. Mr. Howitt tried to speak. Two or three times he opened his mouth, but there came forth no sound. At last, he said it in curiously husky tones, Douglas, Andrew, if you do it, they're sure to have you. It's not easy to get away from Jersey. How kind of you, Andrew. And how thoughtful. But you might have spared yourself, you thought. I've arranged all that. There's a cattle boat. Leaves for St. Malo in a half an hour on the tide. You'll be dead in less than a half hour. So I go in that. This guy's fucked. Again, there were movements of Mr. Howitt's lips, but no words were audible. The stranger continued. The question which I have had to ask myself has been, how shall I kill you? I might kill you with the knife with which you endeavored to kill me. As he spoke, he tested the keenness of the blade with his fingers. With it, I might slit your throat from ear to ear, or I might use it in half a hundred different ways. Which is going to take more than a half hour, bro. Just, I mean, I'm just trying to be honest with you here. <laughs> or I might shoot you like a dog. Jeez. Are you shooting dogs? Like, what the fuck, dude? <laughs> Lay off your dog. Yeah. Go for one of the newt. <laughs> take a fucking newt out, B. <laughs> Producing a revolver, he pointed it at Mr. Howitt's head. Sit quite still, Andrew. Or I may be tempted to flatten your nose with a bullet. You know I can shoot straight. Or I might avail myself to this. Still keeping the revolver pointed at Mr. Howitt's head, he took from his waistcoat pocket a small syringe. This, Andrew, is a hypodermic syringe. I have but to take firm hold of you, thrust the point into one of the blood vessels of your neck, and inject the contents. You will at once endure exquisite tortures which, after two or three minutes, will seem to you like centuries. It will result in death. 
But I have resolved to do myself and you this service with neither of the three. Again, the stranger stopped. This time, Mr. Howitt made no attempt to speak. It was not a pleasant subject to contemplate. As the other had said, to judge from his appearance, he already seemed to be suffering some of the pangs of death. All the manhood had gone from him. Only the shell of what was meant to be a man remained. The exhibition of his pitiful cowardice afforded him Willem partner unqualified pleasure. Have you um, ever heard of an author named uh, De Quincey? <laughs> what the fuck? You did? Hey, I, you heard of Twain? <laughs> the fuck? Can you just kill me, please? Right, yeah, exactly. I'm just, I'm over the questions. I'm fucking, I'm clearly speechless. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. God, I'm fucking so sorry. I left the knife. That's my fault. I promise. I, I want the knife. Oh, my God. All right. Have you ever heard of an author named De Quincey? He wrote on murder... And it's considered as a fine art. It is a fine art. I've had to consider it. In that connection, I have had to consider three things. One, that you must be killed. <clears throat> Two, that you must be killed in um, such a manner that you shall suffer the greatest possible amount of pain. And three, and not the least essential, that you must be killed in such a manner that under no circumstances... Can I be found guilty of having caused your death? I have given these three points my careful consideration. And I think that I have been able to find something which will satisfy all the requirements. That something is in this box. Oh no, what's in the box? Here goes the box. The stranger went to the box which was on the table. The square box which, the square box which had... As ornamentation, the hideously alternating stripes of blue and green and yellow. He rapped on it with his knuckles. As he did so, from within it, there came a peculiar sound like a sullen murmur. You hear? <laughs> it's like... You hear? It is death calling you from the box it awaits his prey it bids you to come he struck the box a little bit harder there proceeded from it as if responsive to his touch what seemed to be a series of sharp and angry screeches again it loses patience it grows angry it bids you hasten ugh he brought his hand down heavily upon the top of the box. Immediately, the room was filled with the discord of sounds, cries, yelpings, screams, snarls, the tumult dying away in what seemed to be an intermittent, sullen roaring. The noise served to rouse the snakes and Fs and lizards to renewed activity. The room seemed again to be alive with them. As he listened, Mr. Howell became livid. He was apparently becoming imbecile with terror. This sounds fucking... 
<laughs> so please stop tapping on the glass. <laughs> <laughs> it's making it mad. It's making it's clearly mad. Please, I mean, but it sounds like for real, like, like that would be a creepy ass room to be in. Like it's just like you just hear. Oh, it's a nightmare. Yeah, I was gonna say like just screams, yelping, snarls. Like, <laughs> oh. <laughs> just die. Just drop dead. <laughs> Just dropped dead. His time partner turning to him pointed to the box with his outstretched hand. What a row it makes. What a rage it's in. Your death screams out to you with a ravening longing, the most awful death that a man can die. Andrew, to die. And such a death as this. Again, he struck the box. Again, there came from it that dreadful discord. Stand up! Mr. Howitt looked at him. As a driveling idiot my, as a driveling idiot might look at a keeper whom he fears. Oh my god, he has just emasculated him so fuck not just him, but all everything. His hump got bigger. He just got he it. Just, he, just, he, got he, he, he just turned into a C. <laughs> <laughs> it seemed to fit it seemed as if he made an effort to frame his lips. Blah, blah, blah. Here we go. Mr. Howitt looked at him as a driveling idiot might look at a keeper whom he fears. It seemed as if he made an effort to frame his lips for the utterance of speech. But he had lost the control of his muscles. With every fiber of his being, he seemed to make a dumb appeal for mercy to the man in front of him. The appeal was made in vain. The command was repeated. Get off of your chair and stand upon the floor like some trembling ottoman uh, automaton mr howitt did as he was told he stood there like some lunatic deaf mute helen Co- he said oh, i didn't i that's not i did not say it it seemed as if he could not move save at the bidding of his master. That master was careful not to loosen by so much as a hair's breadth the hold he had of him. I now proceed to put into execution the most exquisite part of my whole scheme. Were I to unfasten the box and let death, uh, let death loose upon you, sometime or other it might come out. These things do come out at times. And it might then appear that the deed had, after all, been mine. I would avoid such risks. So you shall be your own slayer, Andrew. You shall yourself unloose the box. And you shall yourself give death its freedom. So that it may work on you its will. The most awful death that a man can die. Come to me here. And the man went to him, moving with a curious, stiff gait, such as one might expect from an automaton. The creatures withering on the floor went unheeded, even though he trod on them. Oh, God, just stepping on the... (laughs) Little tiny bones cracking. Stand still in front of the box. The man stood still. 
kneel down. The man did hesitate. <laughs> I don't want to get closer to the floor for one. First off, there did seem to come to him some consciousness that he stood himself be the originator of his own volition. Uh-oh. Is he going to fucking turn it all on him? Mr. Howitt? Is he going to turn it back around on Why? I Oh, shit. He seems no, like he's sh like, okay, I know. Okay. All right. There did seem to come to him some consciousness that he should himself be the originator of his own volition. There did come on to his distorted vis uh, visage an agony of supplication, which it was terrible to witness. The only result was an emphasized renewal of the command. Kneel down upon the floor. And the man knelt down. His face was within a few inches of the painted box. As he knelt, the stranger struck the box once more. Can we stop calling him the stranger? I think we know now that he's for <laughs> sure Andrew. Or Douglas. Wait. Yeah, it's Andrew. Oh no, it's Douglas. It yeah, is yeah. Douglas. As he knelt, the as he knelt, the stranger struck the box once more with the knuckles of his hands. It's a black mamba. <laughs> and again, there came from him that strange tumult of discordant sounds. Quick, Andrew! Quick, quick! Press your finger on the spring. Unfasten the box. Oh, no. The man did as he was bid, and in an instant, like a conjurer's trick, the box fell all to pieces, and there sprang from it, right into Mr. Howitt's face, with a dreadful noise, some dreadful thing which enfolded his head into its, its hideous, hideous embraces. There was a silence. Then the stranger laughed. <laughs> He called softly, Andrew. All was still. Andrew! Again, there was none that answered. The laughter was renewed. <laughs> I, I do believe he's dead. I had always supposed that the stories about being able to frighten a man to death were all apocryphal. Apocryphal. But that a man could be frightened to death by a thing like this... A toy? He touched the creature which concealed Mr. Howitt's head and face. As he said, it was a toy. A development of the old-fashioned jack-in-the-box. No! A dreadful development and a dreadful toy. That is a horrible toy. <laughs> Made in the image of some creature of the squid class. Painted in livid hues. Provided with a dozen long quivering tentacles, each actuated by a spring of its own. Oh, it was these tentacles which had enfolded Mr. Hewitt's head in their embraces. And sounds alien. Yeah, yeah, like fucking... Yeah. As the stranger put them from him, Mr. Howitt's head fell, face foremost, onto the table. His partner, lifting it up, gazed down at him. <laughs> Had the creature actually been what it was intended to represent, it could not have worked more. Uh, it could not have worked more summary execution. The look, which was on the dead man's face, 
as his partner turned it upwards was terrible to see. A psychological experiment. That's it. Damn, that was great. By I Richard Marsh, yeah. That was nice and creepy. That was creepy. Yeah, like I said, even though we were la I know, even though I was laughing, like as I was reading it, I was like, holy shit, because I, in my head, and I hope, I mean, that's the point of this, right? It's like audible, sorta, is that I hope I gave you that, that image in your head as well, because my, I was kind of racking my brain a little bit. I was reading it, I was like, shit, dude. Like if I was in that situation of being, I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like, how tall was the chair? But also, I bet it was just a regular-ass chair, and you there was just... You trying hopscotch your way out of there. <laughs> I don't know if I would do that. I don't know if I would do that, because I think that I would be fucked as soon as I knew that the stranger, which wasn't a stranger at all, but it was a person that I thought I killed, um, ended up being right in front of me and ended up showing me exactly, like... I mean, she, depicting literally to me the descriptions for the reward for someone to be dead. And it was me to well, be Well, and then he was like, uh, yeah, my name is Hoey. Yeah, check the registry. Well, who said, no, you don't say that. Not only that, but the chloroform comment? Well, but that was the first, the first clue. Right. That, that he was something that he wasn't being factual about. Right, yeah. You don't need to provide evidence that you are who you are. Check the registry. Oh, yeah, right, yeah, we'll check the registry. Yeah, well. Okay. Okay, I fucking will, man. <laughs> yeah, great. So, yeah, that was creepy, man. Happy December. I hope you guys are getting ready for... Uh, I hope you guys are done with your Christmas shopping or fucking close to it. I know. I'm pretty, we're pretty much yeah, done. I think, I think we're pretty much done. Yeah. But I hope you guys are... Uh, if you don't have a big Christmas tree, then you have a Charlie Brown Christmas tree. And it has that one little ornament. And I am... Um, Wish you all, uh, I don't know, a happy fucking week. I'll be back next week anyway, so. Oh, excuse me. That was the hams. My name is Nate Chacon. This is Short Story Bingo, episode 18. Maddie, let him know. What's up? Mandy Chacon. Hope to be back soon. Yep. And that was uh, less than, all right. Yeah, a psychological experiment by Dick Marsh. Really? Yeah, that's his name. Richard. Richard Marsh. Out of great horror stories, 101 Chilling Tales, I've already posted the book in a previous episode. I don't recall which uh, story off the top of my head what I read from it, but nonetheless, the uh, link to uh, as to which to buy this book will be in the, um, uh, the description box uh, for whatever podcast platform that you listen to. So if you listen to Google Play, thank you so much. Subscribe. If you listen to iTunes, subscribe. Let your friends know to subscribe. Leave a comment. Even if it's, uh, well, just leave a comment. Um, please rate the podcast as well because um, it definitely gives uh, some tread to the uh, road that we are all traveling on. I appreciate everything that you guys are doing uh, as far as listening and being entertained. Please email me, shortstorybingo at yahoo.com um, to send me a story that you want me to read or one that you think that I might not have list, uh, heard or read. Which is probably a lot of them. But my name is Nate Chacon, Short Story Bingo, episode 18. Thanks again for the ride. Psychological experiment. Horror tales in fucking December. That's how we're doing it. And we're gonna end it like this. We're gonna fucking end it.